I mean, let's be honest here. Everybody want to have this ghetto hood mentality, but don't nobody want to actually go through the struggles that it takes to be from the hood. Hey, I'm Alicia Renee, and you're listening to Ask Love Podcast. This week with a new episode of Aslo Podcast. Um, brief housekeeping. Yes, I sound like a man. I sound like Tony Braxton. <laughs> but honestly, um, my voice has been gone, lost, misplaced. I am in the final uh, edit stages of Soul Kisses, which I've been writing. For a little over a year, um, and I've had way more scream of frustration uh, than I'd like to take ownership of. So, I don't know. My vocal cords could be permanently damaged. It's just been a lot of screaming, a lot of braid pulling, a lot of heavy breathing, a lot of weekend trips, a lot of fuck this shit, I quit. (laughs) So... It's coming. Um, In the words of the great Jazz Fly, um, the mental and emotional breakdown is the pivotal part of the writing process. So I like to think that I am very much so on track to whatever it is that I am producing and this will end up being. Um, If you are not already, be sure to subscribe to Ask Glow Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Ask Glow Podcast um, without the hashtag. Also, leave your five-star reviews on whatever platform it is that you are listening to this on. And so let's get into it. With the completion or pending completion of this novel, this book, this work of art, um, I've had to take quite a few trips back home um, just to really set the scene and do the work. Uh, A lot of writers who um, write nonfiction will tell you that the journey and the trips that you take are the pivotal parts of being able to hone in on the emotion, to hone in on the characters, to hone in on the stories that you are telling. And so um, on my trips back home, it's also doubled as therapy because I've had the opportunity to see things in ways that I didn't see before. So this whole process has been um, a big Yanla Fix My Life episode, um, healing and, um, addressing a lot of things that went unaddressed for so long. And it's been great. <laughs> it's been great. Part of it has been awful. Um, my last Mecca home, 
I, well, I knew for a while that um, my grandpa on my father's side was ill and because of the negative and horrendous um, relationship that I have with my father, I just kind of was like, I don't care. And uh, after a few trips home and working on the daddy chapter of Soul Kisses, um, my best friend just was like, you have to go face him and tell him what you feel because late seems to be my schedule. And um, she was just like, I don't want you to harbor uh, the feelings that you have for him and never say anything to him about them um, because then it's a one-sided carry. So we started opening up that portion, that hallway, um, and it led to a whole lot of shit. <laughs> I mean, I came to the therapist with a stack of shit to lay at her foot, her foot, her feet, whatever you want to call it. But um, it's been quite the journey. And so fast forward to these weekend trips home, I've been um, visiting their side of the family. And I did this past time get to go and see my grandpa who was in the hospital um, with pneumonia and he keeps having strokes and he's older, he's in his 90s. So um, he's lived a great long life. And just being able to make peace and see him make more memories, it's just been enlightening for me to say the very, very least. Um, but also going home, I was able to see some things that... Um, until you're delivered from them, you don't notice. And so this whole episode, which may be a little bit lengthy, but um, we're going to be talking about poverty and the unspoken and unaddressed perils of growing up in the hood because it's a thing. Um, there are a lot of topics that I want to touch on. So um, some will be brief, some um, not so brief. And I do um, have a long form portion of this podcast uh, in writing that I've been working on. And I think that that's going to be something that um, to me, I want to be a three month process just because I don't want to lightly skip over anything. And um, I think that it's a piece that can really, really do um, justice if done properly. So that's one thing that I'm working on besides this podcast. And thanks to you all who answered my survey of should I do a podcast or should I do a long form? And a lot of you said that it's necessary to do both. And so that's what I'm going to do. So without further ado, I just want to um, hop into it. I will start by saying I was um, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, in a suburb or a village, quote unquote, because that is what it is incorporated as of Lincoln Heights. And um, 
Lincoln Heights is deemed the Zone 15. It's deemed the ghetto. It's deemed the hood. Um, growing up, there was always uh, neighborhood fights if you would go into the city of downtown Cincinnati. And that's a whole nother thing where literally the guys um, and females of the hood would fight because of where they're from. Um, I'm from the Zone 15. I'm from Avondale. I'm from the west side in literal neighborhoods with fight. And strangely enough, for I'm 28 now, um, up until I was like 24, did all of that make sense? You know, I thought that um, fist fighting in the name of your neighborhood was okay. <laughs> and my have things changed, but... Um, it just growing up in the hood creates this mentality and the mentality that a lot of people that I noticed who live in poverty have is this um, vision of despair and darkness. You know, there are um, crimes happening back to back, murders happening back to back. And growing up, I'm sure there were murders um, and killings. I literally lived in a house, um, a ranch with my grandma and my mom and her siblings and my siblings. And um, in this house that we lived in, there was always this joke. And even to this day, I don't know if this was a joke or if this was real, but there was a fort-like um, porch that we had made out of concrete um, and when we were growing up, there was always this joke of, oh, this porch was made so that if there was a shootout, you could duck and um, the bullets wouldn't penetrate you. And so that's kind of a very uh, sick joke, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, also, across the street, there was a field that we will walk to through to get to the corner store. And um, I remember so vividly summering, someone getting murdered um, in that field overnight and it being deemed the killer field. And we were no longer allowed to walk through that field, although it was still um, across the street, like literally 100 feet across the street from um, our home. But I never didn't not feel safe. So I guess that's another thing. But when you're speaking on the despair and the darkness, you see and you experience so much of this that it's so often it becomes a sense of normalcy. And you think that um, that is normal. And I think that it took me um, probably about three or four years post living in the hood to realize that that like fear of darkness um, wasn't normal. And even to this day, uh, I have friends who still live in um, Lincoln Heights who when they visit or when we hang out, they crack jokes like, do you still live in um, a gated community, which I do. And I feel more comfortable living in a gated community. And they're like, well, what are, what are they trying to keep out? You know what I'm saying? Like if something's going to happen, it's just going to happen. 
And part of that thinking is true. Um, If we even think about uh, the recent murder that happened in Dallas and just the fact that it doesn't matter where you are, if the crime is going to happen, the crime is going to happen and you can't necessarily keep criminals out and you also can't um, kind of barrier criminals in. So um, that's definitely one thing. But another thing and when you talk about despair is the kind of unwillingness to believe in being able to do better um, for yourself. And so this most recent time I went back, uh, my goddaughter was cheering in the annual Labor Day parade. And I remember for three and a half years uh, doing Flagline for the first two, and then the last year um, being a featured twirler um, in the same parade. And so I vividly remember the community turnout and how um, this mile and a half long parade would go. And this time um, was my first time post-college graduation and high school graduation coming back to see the parade and seeing how it has um, changed so drastically uh, and just having a conversation with my best friend and kind of really realizing that a lot of people can come into the hood to sell their drugs and stand on the corner and do whatever criminal activity that they are doing, but none of them can turn around and have that same pride um, in their neighborhood to show up for a simple parade that a lot of the kids who are walking and performing in said parade are from that neighborhood. And so um, there's not really a sense of community in these um, low-income, impoverished neighborhoods. But also there is the crab-in-a-bucket mentality. And I touch a lot on that in my book, Soul Kisses, uh, how uh, I felt and feel that for uh, my own family that I come from and just that a lot of and not even necessarily black families but I'll say black families because I'm black and that's what I relate to um, can say that there are not enough resources to try to hoist up um, each niece or nephew or cousin or sister or brother um, in the family and so Families pick and choose who they think would be the best fit to quote unquote get out. And so um, it creates this crab in a bucket mentality where everyone within the family no longer works together, but everyone works against each other. And it's all about who can make it to the top of the bucket first. And while you are trying to get out of this proverbial bucket, um, everyone is rooting for your downfall, which is why so many people say that they don't feel like their family supports them or that they don't feel like people are cheering for them um, to do better. And it took it took a while for my mindset to change. I can definitely be honest and say that um, 
the half the time uh, throughout college and just even post-college that in my hustling mindset, it was always, it's either you or me and not, it can be both of us. And so that's definitely been something that post, pre, and during therapy I've had to work on. It's just uh, even my therapist questioning me saying, why can't it be both? And that was just something that I had to realize that I too adopted the crab in a bucket mentality where I thought if I'm going to advance, then there is not going to be enough room for someone else to advance when in actuality, there's enough for all of us to advance. Um, And so it's sad because if you don't have people in these neighborhoods who have made it out that are doing boys and girls club or um, even if there's not a boys and girls club, if you're not going back in these impoverished neighborhoods that you come from and mentoring and taking people under your wing to show them that there is greater, uh, you don't know that there is greater because you're trapped in this proverbial bucket which goes back to that despair and darkness and your unwillingness to believe that you are able to do something better for yourself. Um, Going back to neighborhoods fighting um, for the sake of who or their territory, uh, the same neighborhood that you're fighting for, you don't take pride in, which is sad, but um, it leads to this constant turmoil and drama uh, that you are surrounded by. And I think that we as a people have become so obsessed with uh, reality TV and the constant drama. And granted, a lot of us are realizing how scripted and forced reality TV can be and an exaggeration to Um, actual reality, but some of us still are unable and unwilling to um, decipher and recognize the difference uh, that some of this shit is fully made up and some of this shit is real. But not everybody can decipher between the two. And so Whatever you consume on television and that you see, um, and even on Facebook, because I can, and and Instagram too, I'm sure, social media period as a whole, um, you kind of are drawn into this micro uh, dysfunction and uh, drama. And so this constantly um, viewing and being involved in the dysfunction I think personally results in people being incapable of believing that anything good could ever happen or go for them. And so a lot of us who are from the hood get this mentality that I'm from the hood and that's all that's going to happen because you don't necessarily see a lot of people from the hood doing great for themselves, which I can say that reality TV is opening up that portal to, which I think is why a lot of people in the hood want to be on reality TV because they're like, well, this could be my ticket out. 
um, a lot of people from the hood who want to be rappers because they see these other quote unquote hood rappers who are probably not necessarily hood. They're probably from the suburbs. They're probably from two parent households and they definitely have a financial advantage, but there are those ones who also, you know, hustle, grind it, sold drugs, whatever. But I think that the constant turmoil and drama uh, leads to that mental dysfunction in believing that I'm from the hood. I'm. This is all I know, and this is all that will ever be. Um, some things that I think cause uh, a lot of the mindset that people have from the hood. Lack of access. Uh, I going back to my hometown. I saw a lot of the buildings, and even throughout college, um, which instead of inspiring me, it just made me despise coming home. Which is why I don't um, necessarily go home as often as I used to, but or as I would have, or should have, I guess one can say, but. Um, a lack of access. When I was growing up, I could walk to the YMCA or I could walk to the corner store or I could go outside after school and sit on my front steps and see uh, the Po' Boys, which is like a corner store truck on wheels, uh, come to my house or outside of my house so that I can get snacks or ice cream or whatever. Um, so a lack of access within, uh, the neighborhood, there's, there, there aren't those things any longer. There's no YMCA, there's no after school programs, there's no, um, sometimes in schools, there aren't any school buses, um, to help with that. And so there's a lack of transportation and initiatives within the actual community. And I think that you get so used to living, low and in these uncomfortable conditions that you're just conditioned to believe that this is it. And so you have these low wages, you have these low jobs, you have no jobs, you have government assistance that uh, a lot of people depend upon. And when you're in this clouded mindset that there is nothing greater uh, that you can achieve, it becomes your reality. And so um, a lot of people are living and dealing and coping uh, in a perpetual and constant state of brokenness. And a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't understand. And so when you have these social workers or these government officials or these initiatives that um, are always trying to uplift, build, help other communities while leaving said communities in the United States or even, you know, in our own communities uh, behind. It's just very, very mind-opening. And so I definitely spent a lot of time crying um, on my previous trip home just because to make it out and see that there are still people who are trapped in... um, these communities and these living conditions and just being myself an empath and wanting to be able to help and 
save others because I do still have family that live in these conditions. I do still have um, siblings that just aren't, you know, um, outside of the proverbial bucket. Um, It's sad to see and it's sad to know. And so there is a lot um, that can be said about poverty and the perils of growing up in the hood that isn't that doesn't involve the glorification of constant drama or the glorification of fighting or the glorification of, uh, oh, I'm from the hood and I, I came from the gutter and I came from the dirt. And so many people want to brag about that, but no one wants to really sit down and have those honest conversations about what happens or the mental PTSD that I'm pretty sure that 90% of people from the hood have um, that constant terrifying feeling or emotion of, oh, I don't want to end up back there. So I'm willing and fully capable of doing a million and one plus things, um, whether legal or illegal, to get out and make sure that I don't ever return. So that is just the beginning basics of uh, what this long form piece that I am currently working on. Um, Because when I say that there is so much to be said and there is so much to be talked about, uh, I don't take that lately. And so I think that this long form piece can be a really eye opening and um, pivotal piece of work if done properly and executed to the level in which I believe that it can be. So I want you guys to share with me your thoughts um, if you are from the hood or if you're from the suburbs, just what your actual um, experience growing up and your financial situation um, or just your neighborhood, kind of what your childhood looked like and how that has shaped who you are currently. Um, And you'd be surprised that a lot of people who are glorifying this hood and ghetto mentality lifestyle haven't actually lived it. Or if they have, um, they haven't taken the time to process what it's like to be on the other side of it. That's all I've got for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave your reviews, share with a friend or two. And if you enjoyed this episode, definitely share it because it's something that needs to be talked about more because we all have a social responsibility um to that so i'll catch you guys next week bye